Hey, everybody, welcome to the show today. You are here with me, Carol Jean Whittington, host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And this is the place for late identified neurodistinct humans. If that's you, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And if you're visiting again, good to see you, my friend. Today, I am joined by the fabulous, the spectacular Nikki Collins. She's known as the autism coach across social media. She has an incredible new book coming out called Through Autistic Eyes. Nikki's going to be sharing all of the insights about her new book coming out on November the 11th, what she does in the world. And we're going to be talking about all things neurodistinct brains. Stick around. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are, how you communicate, finding your self-care plan from the inside out, and being the authentic creator of your best life. Get ready because this is where we go against the mainstream, say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Stick around. Nikki, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited to be here, Carol Jean. Oh my gosh. So the first time we met, I'm telling you, it was like energy, vibe, and sparks flying. Oh my gosh. I was so, (laughs) so tickled to death to meet you. And we just had so many great conversations. You know, we ran the gamut in the time that we spent together. And in our beautiful, wonderfully wired way, we had the most fun together. I, I have to say I had the most fun with you. I don't know if you had fun with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I love what you do in the world. And I just love who you're being in the world. And you know, it is such an incredible thing to, to see the work that you do and, and to hear the conversations that you have. And Nikki, I can't wait for you to share through autistic eyes. Tell us about your new book and how did this start? You know, what is it all about? Tell us all the details. Oh, it's it's so exciting. It's been a two-year journey to get this written and into the world as it will soon be, because it's going live very, very soon. And each chapter is a later diagnosed autistic's journey through life and her experiences as a later diagnosed autistic person. And As you very well know, the medical model across the world is deficit-based. And I really wanted to move away from that. And these stories, they share the triumphs as well as the low points. And we've got successful businesswomen. We've got artists, authors. My story's in there. So, (laughs) and I'm an author now. And there's all different sorts of people there's even someone who's been successful in terms of getting an MBE award from the Queen and her business is a multi-million pound business which she's built with her husband from the ground up and if you looked at her social background from her uh, from her childhood it's not necessarily the sort of pathway you'd expect somebody to to take when you had that type of upbringing and it just goes to show that autism 
doesn't need to hold you back. And that is what I hope I've absolutely nailed. And it's certainly what the early feedback suggests that I've got this message out really well in the, in the written words within the book. Oh, most definitely. Oh, I cannot wait. I am super excited to read all of these different stories and, and the different paths that people have taken, you know, in late identified life that, that is really and truly the part that is to me, part of that, what I call the processing phase in late identified life. You know, you get, you got either a, a formal identification or a self-identification. And in that moment, it is such an overwhelming relief to know there's a reason why, and you're not broken and you're not defective. And there was a reason that there were so many struggles and challenges because you didn't know, and the world didn't know. And then, you know, part of that processing phase is like, well, why the heck didn't anybody know? How did somebody not pick up on this? Why did I suffer and struggle for so long? Right. And, and then the other aspect is then sort of what I call this, this part that we reach this sort of this identity crisis, because who we thought we were isn't who we are. And, and we'd had this lens and this belief around who we were. And, and that's no longer true when we got this identification. And the stories that come from that as people are, are going through this processing journey and, and unlayering and uncovering and discovering for the first time, like, wow, I hate Diet Coke. And I've been drinking it for 20 years because I thought I should to fit in and it's disgusting. And I'm sitting at home by myself drinking this nasty thing that I don't like. I have masked to the nth degree of professional camouflaging and I'm sitting at home drinking something I can't stand. Mm -hmm. And it's like in that moment, I, this is my story here. In that moment, I went, I will never drink one of these things again. I went and poured it down the sink, tossed the entire chunk of like diet Coke pack in the trash can. And I have not picked up another one since. And it's just like those little things. Oh, so what, tell us like of the stories, like what were some of the like biggest discoveries of like stepping into who they were in late identified life? Oh, that's a question. <laughs> um, I think it's just being able to take the masks off and being able to understand the why behind some of the things that you do and to realize that you're not broken, you're not a deficit and that you can be anything that you want and not what society says that you should be. I really dislike the word should because it just conjures up all of these things and if you should have done something, that obviously means you didn't. So let's just take that word out of the vocabulary because you can't do it now unless there's something that's actually gonna benefit you and you can do that. <laughs> and- I, We always say don't should yourself to death. Absolutely, it's totally true. And I think one of the stories that really jumps out to me and it's probably one that I'm going to be reading an excerpt of when I come to do a little bit of a reading on my live launch. And it's about a lady called Lynn. And she was in a car accident. And 
she I asked her what a good day and a bad day looked like for her and she said that she didn't really kind of have either like a, a solid idea of what a good or bad day looked like but she knew that she was good in a crisis and she was in this car accident and she got out and this was before the days of mobile phones made sure everyone in the car was okay then went across to the garage to get the emergency services and then when the paramedics asked if she'd been a witness and she'd said well no I was in that car and pointed to the vehicle they insisted that she get into the back of the ambulance she was taken to hospital and it was then found out that she had 10 broken ribs, a fractured sternum, a cracked pelvis, and three cracked vertebrae in her neck. So her pain threshold is absolutely through the roof, and it always has been. And it's just mind-blowing to think that she thought that that was typical, inverted commas, normal. And it's sort of these revelations and these types of things that people just go, wow, really? That's like incredible. And stories like that, that I've got in this book that I've had the privilege of interviewing people and talking and them sharing and then me putting their words and bringing them to life in the, in the pages of the book. Oh my gosh. And you know, I, I, I love how you're highlighting and sort of showcasing our experiences, you know, and sort of this, the spectrum and the gamut of our experiences, because, you know, pain threshold and, and recognizing our pain. And, and especially if we have other, and I, I talk a lot about this other co-occurring health conditions in our, because it's not just our neurodistinct brains. Nikki, I'm going to pause and let out my whining dog <laughs> just a second, because I don't know if it's picking it up. So, you know, one of those things is that we have these co-occurring conditions in our physiological body, you know, our neurodistinct brain and our neurodistinct body. And one of those things, you know, that's we call the trifecta that's really common in our population is POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and, and the 13 different types of hypermobility, MCAS, which is mast cell activation syndrome. and Alexithymia is a big one, mm. you know, that it's like, I think the statistic I saw from the autistic researcher recently on something she was doing on Alexithymia, which is really good, by the way, you guys should go check it out. I'll put a link down in the show notes for that. Um, it's talking about roughly around 50% of the autistic population is also alexithymic. I am alexithymic and I have an incredibly high pain threshold, but it, in you were talking about being in a wreck and I'm like, I was in a wreck like that. I immediately got out. I mean, I was not injured to that degree, but I immediately got out, like checked on everybody else, made sure the ambulance was called. This is before massive cell phones coverage. Cause I am that old. <laughs> and, and you know, this is when the battery pack was like the size of a small child. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, and it was that kind of thing. It was like the adrenaline was so high and I was with my date. We were in high school and we were heading to one of my sorority spring dance. 
And we made sure that the person that was injured the most in my date wasn't injured. So, and I didn't think I was injured. It was okay. So we made sure he was okay. And then we went on and I said, I'm fine. Let's just go to the dance. You're on mute. You're okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was saying shush to my son who walked in with his guitar oh. <laughs> and serenade me. <laughs> well, between my dog and your son, we got we got all kinds of stuff happening in our conversation. I know the cat joined in soon, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's totally cool. That is this, that is this space. We were cool with that. <laughs> but I mean, how many of these types of of stories do we both hear on, on the regular basis, Nikki? I know, and we touched briefly before we started recording on interception as well. So, and that's the body's internal processes. And when you're not able to work out whether you're hot or cold, tired, thirsty, hungry, or anything in between. So I don't register thirst. So I can go all day and my partner will come around and say, have you had a drink? Like, how much have you drunk today? I'm like, um actually drunk anything now you mention it and it's five o'clock in the evening I've gone all day so when you're talking about pain and not being able to understand and connect your emotions and a faulty interception sense sense of interception it really makes it quite awkward to connect these things up and people must think how do you not know that like you're walking around with all of these injuries or how do you go all day without knowing you're thirsty I've known there's another story in the book and she sits at her, she's been known to sit at her desk having almost a full-on panic attack because she's been too hot and it's not until she's raised her arm and realized she's got a sweat patch under her arm that she's take her sweater off panic goes and it's again it's these things and it's that delay in our operating system in our mind and it's what neurotypicals tend to take for granted whereas it takes us a lot more we have to become a detective to work these things out you really do you know I'm always saying you have to put on our lab coats and we have to get you know compassionately curious about ourselves and and it's like removing the judgment which is not an easy feat that's some internal work in and of itself but but approaching from just a neutral observation perspective and going, okay, what's actually happening? What's the data here? And, and the beautiful part is that we can start taking and collecting this data and our brains just automatically start going, oh yes, I connect all these dots. I see the pattern here, which is really helpful. I mean, like let's use our, our natural skills and abilities as neurodistinct people to help ourselves. So, I mean, I, I totally, I love that. What, um, if you had to say like one of the stories that when you were having these conversations that just, it hits you, it hits you right in the heart. Like it hits you hard and deep. You just like, I know probably all of them, but, but which one really stands out to you on that one, Nikki? Again, that's another really challenging one to, to, to answer because I don't think there's any one that really is, they're all so vulnerable. And it's really hard to kind of just choose one when you've been so personally attached and connected to the project, because the way I did this was to sit down and interview on a one to one with each person in that in the book. Then I went through it with a fine tooth comb 
and took that recording from our conversation and then turned it into a story, a factual story that represented them and their life in the most positive and uplifting way for others. Because, I mean, these women, they are they are nothing short of an inspiration. And what really struck me was the level of misdiagnosis and misunderstanding and the fact that not one, not two, but multiple people were nearly or were hospitalized through a mental breakdown, which was actually autistic burnout. And they were in these environments that, I mean, a loud, noisy, smelly, clinical hospital environment with none of your home comforts, with nothing that would ever resemble normal in your day-to-day life and being treated as if you had a mental condition when actually you needed something completely different. And it doesn't help, it doesn't solve anything, and it just adds into that feeling of what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? So when these medical diagnoses came back as actually autistic or even a self-diagnosis and self-identification of, am I autistic? Yes, I am. That's when people were actually able to start moving forward with their life and start to piece together the why behind these things and realize that, oh my goodness, I was actually in autistic burnout. This makes sense. And one of those people was in such a high level of burnout that she couldn't look anybody in the eye, including herself. She couldn't even look herself in the eye, in the mirror. She was wearing glasses to avoid any type of eye contact. Uh, this, this is something I hear almost weekly, if not daily. Mm. And, you know, my friend Zoe McCormick, who is the founder of the Autistic Art Club, she and I did a whole episode around this. You know, she works in the mental health field now. And, and one of the things that she does in particular is looking at what is the mental health hospitalization intake? What is the experience? And, you know, that it, in and of itself, that's usually where most of us come to our identification, sadly, is probably in the worst burnout we've ever experienced. And the misidentification of it, especially in those who don't present based on the ICD and DSM model, which is not inclusive at all, is really tragic. And it is so harmful because, as you mentioned, and as, as you're your participants in the book who have shared with you have mentioned is that the environment exacerbates burnout. And, you know, one of the things that I do is I have, I have a sensory profile that's not from the deficit perspective, because everything out there, when you look at sensory profile and like, I need to know more about my sensory profile, it is all deficit-based. And I went out there and I was looking for like some, a good tool, something to use. And I was like, wow, this makes me feel like crap because it's telling me everything I don't do properly or I do wrong or that's a deficit or deficient or somehow is wrong. You know, all of that negative deficit language in there. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get real for a second here. Our brains as neurodistinct folks, we are a sensory people. That is not a deficit. That is part of who we are. And just being able to look at it as just, 
this is what it is. This is how I experience something. This is what my brain does or does not filter out in my sensory system. And when you're in burnout, your sensory profile is different than when you're in your thrive time. And when Mm -hmm. you can know that, and you can start looking at those different components, that makes a difference. But when you're put into a situation where you are in sensory overwhelm, and let's just call it sensory hell, because that is what hospitals are. If Mm -hmm. you're in burnout, I mean, the smells, the sounds, the bright lights, the people waking you up at all hours to take tests and all these things. I mean, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I cannot wait to, to read these stories because I think, and I think everybody out here that that's listening and are watching today to hear this, Nikki is going, man, I I've been there. That's, that's part of my story and my journey too. Nikki, I'd like to hear some of your story. If you don't mind sharing. <laughs> um, yeah, my story does feature in the book. <laughs> um, I actually am really glad that I wrote my story towards the end of writing the book because it's very different. It's written in a very different style to what it would have been if I'd have written it first. Because I've continued to do a lot of work on myself. And I wasn't, it wasn't until I was 34 that I realized that I'm autistic. So I was only a couple of years into the journey when I first started writing a book. And I'd actually been doing a talk for a networking event that I was a, a part of when we went into lockdown. And I was really high and bouncing and just ungrounded <laughs> afterwards so I went out for a walk to ground myself and just kind of reconnect with my roots and as I was walking back I had this little voice in my head and it said your your success is in stories and I thought I wonder what that, that means I, I wonder how this could develop I wonder what I could do with this and this is what I've done with it through autistic eyes is a result of that walk and that little voice in my head saying your successes and stories and my story it's I actually rewrote it this year because I was getting to a point that when I shared it it was feeling disempowering and there's so so much that people can take from it so I mean I moved out of my family home when I was 16 and that wasn't necessarily through my choice But what that enabled me to do was have experiences that 16-year-olds, other 16-year-olds could only have dreamed of and a level of freedom that 16-year-olds don't tend to have. So that gave me a very different way to view the world. I got into drugs and one morning I woke up and I never touched drugs again. And that that was crack cocaine. So it wasn't just a joint here and there. It was hardcore heavy drugs and I was very very lucky and I still believe that it was my granddad who helped me to come away from from that path um who was he, he, he passed away and he's been my guardian angel and he's still around even now and I you going back a few years because I was 16 when he passed <laughs> and when I actually started to write my story to share it I wrote granddad on a piece of paper and this breeze came around me and I was in my house in my front room with the windows the doors shut so it was just confirmation that yeah he's still there and I 
I met a guy who was 17 years older than me. We got married. We had a child. Then I left him because I came out as gay. And I realized actually only earlier this year when I stopped drinking alcohol, which was a massive mask for me. And I took that mask off and I'm now, well, 10 months, almost 11 months sober, completely teetotal. And that mask went on when I was 13 and I was being groomed by the next door neighbor. And it, I didn't realize, I didn't connect these things because it made me feel grown up. It felt made me feel like an adult and loved, even though it was unhealthy, I didn't connect those things together. So really it's about the unmasking process and the fact that even despite all these things, oh, and by the way, at some point in that, I also lost my dad to suicide, who was also undiagnosed ADHD. If I was to put money on it, that's what I'd go for. And it was, it's about like the, the strength that I've drawn from these experiences. And I wouldn't change any of those things because they have shaped the person I am today. And resilience does come with a price. I'm incredibly resilient. And I now am in a really blessed position to be able to pass these teachings that I've taken from these lessons onto others so that they don't have to go down this deep, dark hole as far as I did. And that to me is, that's truly a gift. So it's it's been a journey. It's been an interesting journey. Oh my gosh, Nikki, thank you for sharing a bit of your story with me and with, with the audience here today, because that's powerful. That's powerful. I think there are a lot of us that can, that can relate and, and even see some of those same elements in our, in our own story. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about, about the book that you're, that you're publishing out here on November 11th called Through Autistic Eyes is because this is sharing those experiences because I think all of us in our, in our neurodistinct community can read these stories and find a bit of ourselves in our own journey, in our own story. But what I love is how you framed this, that this is empowering and this is positive and this is your hero's journey because exactly. we all have those struggles, but it's, it's in, in, we are by and large the most freaking radically resilient folks in existence in our community, <laughs> radically resilient. And I love that you're honoring that. I love that you're highlighting and spotlighting that. So you mentioned about your live event for the book launch. Share a little bit about that, where people can go. And we'll make sure we put the link down in the show notes. But tell us a little bit about what that event's going to be like. Because, you know, we like to know what we're, what's happening before we show up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I have an amazing host to work alongside me. So it's not just me on my own. <laughs> it's an amazing. Although that's you. always fabulous in my book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I have an, an, another amazing energy that will complement my own beautifully. And she is going to be asking me some questions about the book. I'm going to be sharing the the journey of the book and how it's come to to life and also going to be reading out sort of little sections of the book as well so it's only it's an hour from start to finish 
much and it is a live event so people also get to ask their questions and I will be doing sign-ins so any books that are purchased whilst we're on that call will be signed or through that call will be signed so oh that's special I love that well Nikki you also have in a pretty amazing business. And I want to make sure people know not just about you and the book, but they know about the services and the work that you're doing in the world as the autism coach. <laughs> Share a little bit about how people can work with you, what you offer and how they can find you. Well, I work with later diagnosed autistic women because that's my experience. And I help people to move away from the fear that keeps them stuck, that keeps them small. There's not much of a difference between fear and excitement apart from fear holds you back and excitement pushes you forwards so with alexithymia it can be you can very easily sabotage yourself and just get in your own way so I'm about helping people to move out of their own way to get unstuck and just to have that forward momentum so that they can live the life they choose for themselves rather than the life that they should be living (laughs) oh my gosh yes where the heck have you been my whole life why did I have to figure it all out so hard all by myself Nikki I'm so glad that you're doing that because you know that was the big aha for me honestly you just you just nailed it that was the big shift for me because I am alexithymic and one day when somebody I had described you know my stomach felt a little sick and my body was kind of shaky and I felt really nervous and you know, all of these things that I was experiencing about an event that was coming up. And they said, oh, it sounds like you're having a panic attack. It sounds like you got a lot of social anxiety around that. I went, oh, is that what that is? Okay. And then for 20, 30 years, that's how I lived and operated. And I would feel that and I'd go, oh, that's social anxiety. And that's a bad thing. And I don't think I need to go do that. Mm -hmm. Turns out when I learned about alexithymia that I have it and and what that means and I started doing that internal work to identify what are these physical feelings and how do they translate to my mind I went holy heck that's not fear I was excited and they're so closely connected it's hard to work out between the two really is and I was so upset and just heartbroken for all of the opportunities and possibilities that I had turned away from because I thought I was experiencing an emotion someone had assigned to what I described that wasn't accurate. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm like, man, I'm the most excited person I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know I have so much excitement in my life. (laughs) Oh, Nikki, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing, for writing, for cultivating and bringing all of these beautiful stories together in your new book through autistic eyes guys go check out nikki collins new book coming out november 11th through autistic eyes this is a resource this is a resource that helps because you know you're not alone you can read other stories from other late identified people and go oh, I see some of myself in this and I see the possibilities. I see the excitement. I see what can be, not just in their life, but in mine, because I believe in being a possibilitarian in all things. And guys, this month we're talking all about the resources in late identified life and Nikki Collins and her new book, 
is the resource. Make sure you go get it. Don't forget to sign up for the live event so you can get a signed copy of this fantastic book. I will be there. She can also be found on Facebook, LinkedIn, and the Autism Coach website. Everything will be down in the show notes below. Nikki, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for joining us. And thank you for being a resource for our community in late identified life. Speaking of resources, I have a new book coming out next Friday, November the 4th. The title is How Spicy Is Your Indie Burnout? A Beginning Guide to Autistic ADHD Burnout Restoration. Are you stuck on the chronic cycle burnout loop? Are you feeling overwhelmed and exhausted? So you unplug from the world and social media for a bit or even begin unmasking. This helps and you may feel better, but still not great. Responsibilities and people don't go away. So you go back to life as usual, quote unquote, only to end up back in burnout a few weeks or months later, doing it all over again. That's the chronic cycle burnout loop. Neurodistinct burnout isn't the same as a neuromajority burnout. There are hidden elements, especially in late identified life that need to be taken into account and new areas dialed in that make it possible to get off that chronic cycle burnout loop for good. A few of those hidden elements are trauma, co-occurring health conditions like EDS, MCAS, and POTS, processing needs, alexithymia, and sensory differences. In this beginner's guide to ND burnout restoration, you will determine if you're in ND burnout, learn what ND burnout is and the chronic cycle burnout loop, distinguish burnout similarities and differences between neurotypes, Discover the hidden elements in indie burnout. Identify how spicy your indie burnout is from a level one poblano pepper to a level five ghost pepper. Begin your burnout restoration first steps, including what burnout restoration is, how long it takes, and how to get help. Join me and go sign up on the wait list to get the first peek inside, to get special discounts, and to get access to the burnout toolkit. This is all going to be available in multiple modalities on November the 4th. How we process information during burnout is different than we would in our thrive time. So this book isn't just a digital version. It's also going to be in a print version. It's going to be in an open dyslexic font. So if that helps you, it will be in an audio version and it will be in a video version with closed captions. All of this will be available to you for the one price of the Burke purchase. This is about meeting you where you are. And you know, your needs are different in burnout. I know mine were, and I want to make sure that you have access to getting the help in those first beginning steps that you need. So join me, go get on that wait list and get the book on November the 4th.